Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about destroying the nuclear family. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, they pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm an elementary educator, and I use they, he pronouns. Today, we are doing another big anthology episode. We're talking about the sort of silver age of Disney, golden age of Disney, however you want to sort of classify it. That is basically from 1961 to the middle of the 1980s. Yeah, so this is sort of the heyday of Disney, and the 80s is sort of the decline. Um, So we wanted to try and get a big picture. The movies that we watched are kind of a smattering from this era. Yeah, this group of movies includes 101 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book, Aristocats, Robin Hood, The Rescuers, and The Great Mouse Detective. It was fun. I love all of these movies. I have no notes on uh, if you should watch these movies. If you have not watched these movies, watch these movies. You can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. You can please leave a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps greatly. And as always, thank you and enjoy. So this batch of movies that we watched might be some of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Yeah, this is the golden age. Right? Like, don't This is the, or I guess like you, in comics terms, you would call this like the silver age, right? Yeah. Like the golden age sets the foundation, but the silver age is where it like really shines, where things really are like the engine is up and running. Like I really also like, don't get me wrong, like I grew up in the revival and like we'll talk about all of that in a couple weeks. Yeah. But- like some of my favorite bits, some of my favorite yeah. music, some of my favorite animation is all yeah. within this like I, 60s to I 80s. I mean, I have video. a dog who is named after a reference to one of these movies. So You do. <laughs> you do. My love of like one of my favorite bits is in 100- And it's not the movie you would expect. No, it is not. <laughs> Uh, I was like, you're going to think it's 101 Dalmatians. It's, it's the not. Aristocats. <laughs> it's the Aristocats. <laughs> But one of my favorite bits that is in these movies is the opening scenes of 101 Dalmatians where everyone looks like their dog. It's a good time. It's really good. It's really good. And like. And it's kind of that like. Because it's true. And and because it's the early like it's the early 60s still it has that kind of like old school like pretty background it like does. pretty animation. And it's like 1950s. 50 yeah i think we did i think i did the looked it up and according to the papers it's like the 1950s okay 1950s london so it's gorgeous yeah it's beautiful the animation of london is stunning Mm -hmm. and like is so spot on for like what london actually looked like yeah especially in those like nicer neighborhoods it's so interesting that so many disney movies take place in europe somewhere i mean does it? He really liked Aryan things. Yeah, I guess it was probably like a big, like yeah, it's a Ari- white thing. White thing. I didn't think about because think that. about how many because it's not Europe. It's your it's it's England London and France. or France, right? It's London or Paris, like like it's not Eastern European, uh, yeah, or it's, it's you know Slavic in any way, yeah, Northwest Europe. That's trouble. Yeah, it's because he's racist. <sighs> yeah, sorry. I mean, a lot of this always boils down to because Disney's racist. Yeah, <laughs> very. <laughs> Which like 
To be fair, especially with all these, I think every single one of these movies had the like, this was a racist movie warning on them. Almost every single one had like a, hey, we're really sorry we about fucked this. fucked up. <laughs> and like. At least they're not as bad. Like as we go forward, like they they're get getting better. better. Like they're more. But the char- Siamese cats. Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot Ooh. of like some, a lot of them are just like really bad caricatures. Yeah. And you're like. At least they're not the crows from Dumbo. Yeah. But then there's the Siamese cats and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Someone had a fucking field day on yeah. this. I was, you know, it's so funny when we started doing this project, I thought it was really funny that there was no way to find on Disney Plus like a chronological timeline of all the Disney movies. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, that's because they're trying to bury those early ones. Yeah, like they are. they are trying to forget that everything before like 1965 even happened they're like bye-bye that none of that we didn't do any movies what are you talking about don't watch dumbo again we started in the 60s yeah but don't forget snow white (laughs) yeah right don't forget snow white but please forget everything else um i love 101 dalmatians it is like i haven't I hadn't watched it in a really long time. I think I've seen the live action one more than I've mm-hmm. seen the animated one. Is there a, Oh, right, with right. Glenn the, Close. the one that came out when when we were kids. Yeah, which is phenomenal and like a great adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Close makes a great Deville. Um, totally. She's lovely. Like take that live action over the Cruella movie with Emma Stone like I never saw it. Don't. Cruella DeVille is not a villain to sympathize with. Yeah, she wanted to murder puppies. She wanted to murder puppies. Like, that's a tough, tough she villain to humanize. She hundred puppies. Yeah. To skin them for a coat. You can't make that a likable character. Yeah, there's no, there's no amount of, of tragic backstory that's going to make that okay. <laughs> like... Evil stepmom and Cinderella? Yeah, I could get behind her. She's just the bitch who probably had some bad shit happen to her. Maleficent? Yeah, cool wicked witch. I'm down. I love a good wicked witch. Yeah. But a puppy killer? That's tough. Hell, I even sympathize with Ursula. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, Deville is not someone you can... But that being said, she is probably one of my favorite villains, especially this like animated version of her because she's so goddamn crazy yeah she's so goddamn crazy it's good yeah she's almost like she's almost an over-the-top like witch villain without being like an actual witch do you know what i mean yeah she's like such a good she's campy in like a really fun way that's just like it is that like you can kind of start to see where like Disney started pulling on drag for their villains. Totally. And like that kind of performance. Cause um, like that really kind of starts to pick up with this era of movies as well. Um, but like she is so fucking. Yeah. She's also, so extra. She's so extra. So I also have this theory and like the way that I read this movie that I think uh gives her like another level is that Cruella and Anita are old money. Like, yeah. Real old money. Right. And Roger's just like middle class. Right. Which, so Anita like married down and like moved into the, like the like quote unquote terrible neighborhood of like, you know, and like 
doesn't have the connections she used to because like Cruella's Cruella's old money right and there's a couple lines in there that I don't remember that um you know is just where she's just like darling how could you yeah right um you married a musician yeah which god the 1950s when you could support yourself as a musician Jesus fucking Christ can we just take it a moment to also appreciate how petty Roger is? Because he's great. I love yeah. Roger. Roger writes a song bashing his wife's friend, who's a bitch. Yeah. Sells it and doesn't bother to change the name. <laughs> That's amazing. God, I wish I had balls as big as Roger's. And he's like, like Roger is like such a good man in general. Like, yeah, he's like loving like, and supportive. And like, yeah. even though he doesn't like his wife's friend, is still like, she's your friend. You're if you want to be around, I'm her. gonna write stupid just songs about her. But, but like, you're allowed. Fine. Yeah. Also, something that I just like can't wrap my head around about this movie: how terrifying a hundred and one Dalmatian puppies would be. Oh my god. So the thing about Dalmatians is they're terrible dogs. They're bad dogs. And I'm like, there are whatever. There are no bad dogs. Dalmatians are bad bad dogs. dogs. Like they're, they're bred as like cart clearers. Like their job is to be annoying and get people out from underneath like horses pulling carts. Yeah. Right? So they're bred to be assholes. Like, herding dogs will move you in a direction, right? Yes. Hunting dogs will track a a scent that they find that they like or stare down a bird. But, like, Dalmatians are just bred to be assholes. Yeah, So they'll just be assholes. And to have, like, Anita and Roger are the worst neighbors. Oh, God. To have, one, at first, 17 dogs (laughs) next door. Can you imagine? 17 Dalmatians next door. But then you get a hundred puppies shoved into a townhome. In a townhouse? No way. With have no to, yard. You have to move to the country at that point. I mean, point. they do. Yeah. But like, Yikes. oh, so many puppies. So many puppies. So many puppies. And like the whole idea of Jasper and Horace running around the mansion trying to herd a hundred puppies. What were you going to do with them? Yeah. You can't. You, you're going to catch them all at once? Like, how? You don't have a bag or anything. Right. There's no way a hundred puppies are going to fit into that rickety old van. No. Yeah, what was the plan? I just think it's funny. I mean, I guess of all the, like, terrible regressive shit we have watched in these early Disney movies, like, this kind of pales in comparison. But, like, the fact that Roger's apartment is a shambles and, like, that's how we know he needs a wife. Yeah. Is because, like... He's a mess. He's a mess. And it's like, oh, of course, we all know it's a woman's job to sort out a man's life. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh It's just a little trouble. It's just But a given, you know, trouble. the Siamese cats, it's like ooh, we'll take a little bit of misogyny. Take a little bit of yeah. Uh I was gonna say, I think this is the one movie where we don't have any like outright Yeah, like racism. racism. Although I do have a question. Uh huh. At one point, the Dalmatians roll around in dust in a uh, ash to like yeah come. disguise themselves. Is this dog blackface? <laughs> it's 
black black dog fit no uh i don't think i don't think it i don't think it works that way i don't think there's the same history of like minstrelry that's in the dog community except the labrador is definitely coded as a black character shit i didn't think about that You know what? You might be right about the it blackface. It might be dog blackface. I mean, I certainly hope that dogs didn't have like a... I mean, of course, this is a Disney movie. Like, of course, dogs had probably had some secret subculture. But I certainly hope that they didn't have like a history of like dressing up as black dogs in order to like make fun of black dogs for the entertainment of non-black dogs. That feels... That sounds bad bad. i mean it sounds gross when you describe that that's what human people used to do but humans have proven themselves to be idiots to be evil idiots (laughs) over thousands of years so not have a good history yeah it's um not a great not a great situation my last note for 101 dalmatians that i think is really interesting is because this movie takes place in like the late 40s early 50s mm-hmm. there's a lot of references to the f- world war to, to the mm-hmm. war um and like you've got the whole like bark network is, yeah like one theory that i like you could read it as is that all of these dogs are war dogs right who have like come home and are like yeah still do because like you also have sergeant tibbs and the colonel right. and ca- the horse captain whatever and like you have so much like my current theory is that Roger definitely served in the war because he's old enough that he was like probably a teenager when it yeah. was happening. And like I don't think Pongo was a war dog because that's not how dogs age and it right. he's too young wouldn't to like work, yeah. wouldn't work. But I definitely think he comes from a family of war dogs and like has that breeding in him and I would not be surprised if Interesting. I mean, did you see how terrifying that dog is when he tries to attack Horace and Walt and yeah. Jasper? Like, Pongo could kill you. <laughs> yeah. Next, after 101. Is Jungle Book? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about racism. Oof, yeah. The race stuff in here is trouble. Racist as fuck movie, but the music slaps. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to look at where this is supposed to be set. Oh, yeah. It just says Central Central India, the forests of Central India. That's not as specific as I was hoping for, but that's fine. It's something. It's not a made-up place. It's not a made-up place. That's the important thing. I always bit. thought it was made up, too, when I was a kid, because I couldn't imagine that there would be wolves and tigers and bears in, and the, same, in the same place. Biosphere. I was like, yeah. that's too many predators. What are you all? But I guess if it's like a, you know, a, a jungle, jungle. And it can support a lot of. Anyway, I guess bears aren't really predators per no, se. They're pretty. Baloo seems very much like yeah, an herbivore. Baloo is very much like a perfect personification of like bear philosophy, which is like. How can I eat as much as possible while working as little as possible? I love Baloo. I do too. Can we take a moment to appreciate how good of dads Baloo and Bagheera are and how cute of a couple they are? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because Bagheera definitely, like, 
plays as like a feat. Yeah. As like as a bit of queer coding. Oh yeah. He- but it's fun that he has like that Mowgli has like 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 fem dad and bear dad. Yeah, right. right? It's great. It's a good <laughs> and the like, you know, the carefree fun dad and the no you right. have to and follow this, the like, rules. Right. And like serious dad. rule follower dad. Yeah. I it's, didn't It's a good and like Bagheera is so always annoyed with Baloo but in like the most loving way possible. Yeah. It's it's a good time. It's, They're good dads. They have a great relationship. They have a great relationship, and like the way the movie is, ends with them just being like, "No, you, you have to go on and be your own so- person." Yeah. Like good parenting. Good parenting. Be like, like, "Yes, would I like you to hang out with me longer?" Yes, but it's not about me. It's, it's what's about best for what you. you. Need yeah. Yeah, like they're like protective as hell will like literally fight tigers for this kid yeah you know races through the jungle trying to find them yeah doing what's best for the kid even though it breaks its their heart yeah they're good dads yeah they're great dads it's funny this is like one of many of the disney movies of this era that are like fundamentally about finding your own family it is like um Lady and the Tramp and Aristocats both kind of have the same vibe. And Robin like Hood, Oliver you know, and Company and Robin Hood, Hood too. Yeah. Like, and even I would say 101 Dalmatians is a found family movie. Yeah, to an extent. Sense. Like not quite as, it's not quite as explicit and a little bit more adoptive. But but like it's it's so funny that like in this era of, you know, the middle of the century, right? The like era of the nuclear family in right. the house in the suburbs. How much we're talking about people who don't have any of that. Right. right? Like that we're not centering any of the human stories that are happening at this time. We're talking about like, I don't know. And I find it interesting that stories of marginalized people. We are. We are talking about stories about marginalized people. But I also find it very interesting that because we're talking about stories of marginalized people, none of the characters are human. Right. That's like, also a part of it. None of the movies we watch for this bat for this batch have human main characters. Uh-uh. I mean, unless like you count 101 Dalmatians, kind, kind of, of, but like even it's about Pongo and Anita, not about right because there's like a whole middle third of that movie where like the humans drop out entirely right. and it's just dogs. I just mixed up the human w- wife and the dog because <laughs> it's Pongo and Perdita. So Jungle Book and Robin Hood did something that I absolutely love that we did in the golden age of Disney. And that was start the movies with books. Yeah. Like I was so excited that they brought the books back because the books and like Sleeping Beauty. Uh, yeah. The books and Sleeping Beauty and uh, Cinderella and uh, Snow White are all gorgeous. Right. And, like was such a cool way to like start a story. Totally. And I really love that. Yeah. The I like that they bring books. that back. And I like how like it's updated to like be more animated and like have some like cool animation intros with it. Yeah. It was it was a fun little. Bit. I like that storybook. I do too. Thing. And yeah, it's so funny that like Jungle Book kind of establishes like the temp the new template for a Disney movie which is just a refinement of a previous template, which is like you take an existing property, mm-hmm. ideally a book yep. that was written over a hundred years ago. So it's in the public domain. now, Right. Um, and you just animate it and you add a lot of like songs and dances. Yeah. 
and like that's the whole deal, right? Like that's basically every movie we've we watched in this stretch. Yeah. Like it's The Jungle Book, it's Robin it's Hood. Jungle Book, it's Robin Hood, it's The Great Mouse Detective. Great Mouse Detective, Oliver and Company. Like et cetera, it, et, cetera. et cetera. Yeah. It's it's really starts the whole formula of like one hundred and one Dalmatians was a book yeah, before. Yeah. Uh, it was a movie. So, like, and then Little Mermaid too, right? right. Like it's a Hans Christian Andersen, yeah, story. Um, yeah, totally. This is definitely like Disney finally like picked up on the like, oh, if we take existing content and just Disneyfy it, right? It works great. But it's funny how like these, how many of these movies still don't have a lot of like content in them they don't have a lot of plot in them no no they do right it's still a lot of just like silliness to kill time yeah like not as much as the early ones for as like a dumbo for example but it's still but it's still it's like we have a beatles barbershop quartet vultures just uh, to like, yeah exactly you know kill some time yeah we also like with jungle book we start to see like how heavily disney likes to use the same actors a lot yeah because like you've got you know jim cummings who is like prolific yeah. throughout disney um and through voice acting in general the man has worked so many things yeah like if it's got if it's animated i'm guessing jim cummings is in it um but you also have uh phil harris who plays baloo kind of start to show up yeah uh because we see him again in robin hood as little john right and in aristocats as thomas o'malley right and then we've also got ava gabor who's in aristocats and rescuers and we've got a few others that i can't remember the names of but like it's interesting to see, like, because we have, like, such a variety of actors mm-hmm. in our current media. Yeah. It's interesting to see, like, how insular yeah. the production companies used to be yeah. and, like, how they would just reuse the same actors for everything. Well, and I think, like, by this time, the, like, sort of classic studio system has dissolved, more That's or true. less. But, like... I do think that a lot of that is based on, you know, a lot of the the early Hollywood's people came up in the studio era where, like, you were under contract with a particular studio and a particular studio just had a stable of actors. Right. And those were the, all the actors that were in every movie that that studio produced. So, like, you would see the same people over and over at every right. Paramount movie or every Warner Brothers movie or whatever. And I think, yeah, Disney has a little bit of of the, like, remnants of that. Yeah, totally. But also I think probably because in this time, voice acting is a fairly small career. It's a, such a small career, community. Right? Like, yeah. there's probably nobody, not a lot of people are, you know, reading books on tape or whatever. Tapes right. don't exist yet. Like, you know, like cartoons are not the like huge phenomenon they are now so like it's basically you get in a disney movie or you don't keep a day job right Right. it's like but speaking of which uh speaking of reusing actors they also reuse 
a ton, just a ton of like straight up like art. Yeah. Like a lot of animations were used. Uh, yeah. Like the snake in Jungle Book is literally identical down to the hypnotizing eyes to the snake in Robin Hood. Like they're they're they just recolored it. Yeah, and shrank it. And shrank it. Yeah, but it's exactly the same snake. Like a face is shaped the oh. same. It's just shrunk by twenty five percent and you, recolored. You know the scene where Shere Khan is like hunting the deer in the grasslands? Mm-hmm. That's Bambi's mom. Oh fuck! Totally, it's yeah. like the same flowers and everything. Oh, it's Bambi's yeah. mom. Yeah, they totally just reused those cells. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like uh, there's also with Little John and Baloo are, are like very similar, basically the same model. Uh, you can see a lot of it in the way they animate their dogs too. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of um, a lot of the dogs show up, and it's also like a continuation thing. Yeah, because like the dogs that are in the pound and leading the tramp are in a pet shop in 101 Dalmatians. Oh. And like there's a lot of like same coloration and a lot of things that are brought in. Like the purple and green from Sleeping Beauty is also in like Ursula and in Cruella's house. Yeah. And like there's a lot of thematic things. But yeah, they... It's pretty clear that there's a formula. There is. And like even with Ka when he gets like bunched up and like uh, walks off, walks off, slithers off... Um, screen all like clunkety it's the same animation twice in the same movie yeah it's like not even a background change no <laughs> yeah this stuff is clear and then like especially as you get in like further into this this era that we're looking at a lot of the drawings get real scratchy yeah which like I love that like scratchy like I do too. hand animation look but it becomes very clear that like they are trying to make this as cheaply as possible. Yeah. And like with as few drawings as possible. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but there's an animator who was working for Disney during this time who was like one of the best. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell he worked on a movie because characters do this thing where they move their head while they talk. Shere Khan does it a lot. Oh. Um and so does Bagheera um, because it's hard to move a face while they're also talking. Yeah. Because especially when you're draw hand drawing animation, because yeah. like so many different little things change. Yeah. So like he would throw it into everything just to be like, ha ha, look what I can just do. Just to be like, look how fucking talented I am. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Right? Like, because if you think about like how Shere Khan like wiggles his head all the time. Yeah. It's funny because like there's still a lot of like artistic integrity in these movies like, they don't have the cheap look of, like, a Hanna-Barbera where they're obviously, like, changing as little as possible. Right. But, like, it's definite. they're definitely going quickly. Like, yes. there definitely like, is a pace a that's pace being, being set here. Because, like, the last backdrop as the credits are rolling is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And it's, like, one of the best back paintings I've seen in a very long time. Totally. But, yeah, there's, like, definitely, like, this is where you kind of start to see their formula and their, like studio-esque kind of like hit instead of it just being like we do fun animations it's like no we do animations and this is what we do yeah next is aristocats Aristocats, which like i got five minutes into aristocats and i was like isn't this just lady and the tramp kind of it's just lady and the tramp with cats it's just lady and the tramp with cats which 
is like, I guess, honestly, it does feel like the better version of Lady and the Tramp. Like, it's more interesting. There's more, like, fun character stuff happening. Yeah. But it doesn't feel interesting. Like, if I had gone to see this in a theater and I had also gone to see Lady and the Tramp in the theater, I'd be mad. Because this is the same movie and I paid to see it twice. I don't think everyone would pick up on that, though. (laughs) I think that just might be like we study this way too closely. Yeah, because like it took me like watching it for like the millionth time to be and watching Lady and the Tramp so recently to be go, oh, this is the same. Yeah, it's just like you know, also Rake who lives on the street seduces like high class woman who like in one case like who then is like you know, accidentally removed from her house and she has right. to depend on the, like, streetwise rake. Aristocats comes out 15 years after Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. So, like, it's a whole new generation of kids I who guess. was, like, coming into it. So, like, I could see why, like, it's a good... It's it's kind of like how everything's based off of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> a little where, bit, like, yeah. Or, a, yeah. You know, like, it's the or same... Or, like, My Fair Lady. Right. It's the same premise, but it's just redressed. Yeah. Um... But can we talk about how amazing Thomas O'Malley is? So good. He's so good. And like as a person who's coming into like dating someone with kids, like he gets it. Yeah. And is like right away like, oh, like there's the initial shock of like, oh, shit, you have kids to the, oh, you have kids and I need to make sure that they like me as right, well as right. you like It's me. my job to make sure that these kids like me. Yeah. Yeah. Which like. He also does, like, a great job of, like, kiddifying uh, the whole situation. Totally. And making it, like, a this, fun. this traumatic event more fun so the kids aren't scared all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can tell you from experience that a lot of people who date people with kids will just, like, either full-on ignore the kids or, like, worse, try and be a parent, which is not your job. Not your job. Yeah. Like, you can be fun and entertain the kids, but like you are not a parent until... You're not my dad. No. <laughs> also, like, Edgar is kind of an idiot. Like, he did not need to go through all this trouble to get rid of these cats. Yeah, that feels like kind of a you problem. Like, you could have just... You could have just fucking clubbed them or something. Oh, I meant you could have just lived with them because you're still the only fucking human who's using that money. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's up there and these cats are going to live. I mean, his math is bad, but like, you know, these cats are still going to like kittens will those kittens will live 15, maybe 20 years. Oh, no, you have to live on a giant mansion with cats. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's like who's who's coming to check how the checks are spent, you know? Right. It's like, I don't know, maybe the cats do need a new like luxury vehicle for me to drive around in. <laughs> they right. Need, I'm their chauffeur. Obviously, they need that. I was trying to think of like what the, you know, period examples of. Because that's another one that's set in like the early 20th century, maybe. Yeah. Aristocats. Yeah, it's like like the twenties or the thirties. Yeah, something around there. Um, 
also talking about how good Thomas O'Malley is, the way he walks away because he trusts Duchess to know best for his for her kids. Yeah, like he doesn't like the whole scene when they're like at his pad and like she's they're saying goodbye or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know best. Like, if this is what you like, if your yeah. human is different, I trust that you'd say your human is different, and I'm not pushing you to like change your mind because I want it. Right. And it's just like this sucks. I don't want to let you go, but you know what's but best. But this for you. is not. Yeah, it's not my choice to make. Yeah. Which yeah. like good guy Thomas O'Malley. Good guy Thomas O'Malley. I. You know, for such good dads come in like. Good father figures come in surprising packages. They really do. Robin Hood. Robin Hood. I love Robin Hood. I do too. Robin Hood is like one of my comfort movies and I surprised it has taken me this long to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Because I used to have it on videotape and would watch it all the fucking time. That makes sense. That checks out. Doesn't it? I mean, this movie probably stems my eat the rich policy. Yeah. This was always one of my favorites for the same reason. Like medieval setting... Wealth redistribution, like those are big. Those are big things. Those are big hits for me. The music also slaps. Yeah, I, I love the opening. Of the this opening movie. that, uh, yeah, I heard that song and immediately I looked up the tabs so I could learn to play it on the mandolin. Yes, because Absolutely. I bet it would sound so good in that soprano register. Oh, it would sound so good. I love how down that made Marion and. Uh, clucky are for the kids dramatic play right away yeah. like they just come in and are like all right kids we can do this yeah i'm like oh good parenting right. good good kid interaction i really appreciate this uh yeah, oh, you just gotta be game you just gotta be game there's not a lot plot wise <laughs> yeah so. there's there's not a ton in robin hood it like, is it's, pretty much just a cabin eat the rich yeah that's pretty much it like I don't really even have any notes about Robin Hood, except that I liked it a lot as yeah. a kid. I did, however, forget about the Romani drag performance in the beginning. Yeah, that's tough. That was, like, drag performances, fine. The whole cultural appropriation drag performance thing. Yeah, mm. tough. Yeah. Although I do did appreciate fact that little john was seen as attractive as a bigger woman i love that that made me really yeah after robin hood we have the rescuers which i forgot how terrifying the rescuers are okay so this brings up a good point that i have been meaning to get to throughout a lot of these which is like many of these movies are deeply terrifying deeply terrifying like we're gonna get into the great mouse detective here soon, but like there's a lot of these Fox and the Hound great mouse detective, like even brave little toaster. Like there's some upsetting stuff happening in some of these movies. They kidnapped a little girl to make her go dive into a sea cave. Yeah. That's right. And like she almost dies. Like she and the mice both almost Almost die. die. It's not a good time. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like, why? I don't. Why would you take a kid to this? Right? This is. It's one of those, like. Yeah, why would you take a kid to this? Okay, but that being said, Medusa walked so Ursula could run. Like, you can <laughs> totally. see the early work uh-huh, that, like, uh-huh. Ursula got pulled from. Because, like, 
Medusa's like a great, weird combination of Ursula and Cruella DeVille. Totally. Yeah. She's like the space in between those two. And she is terrifying. Oh, she also brings up a point that I wanted to talk about with how big the line is between, like, how clear the distinction is between women that we are supposed to sympathize with and therefore we find attractive and women who we are supposed to dislike and therefore we find unattractive because Medusa has like the most upsetting features. She's so angular. (laughs) She's so angular and she has like a big pointy nose and like a million long teeth and like, she looks like one of her crocodiles. Yeah, exactly. Like, She's obviously very, like, you know, it's very clear that we're supposed to not like her because she's ugly. And, like, with the notable exception of Maleficent, like, that is basically every Disney villain. Yeah. Up and up through the modern day. Like, even the masculine ones are not good looking. Yeah. Except for maybe Gaston. Yeah, but even Gaston is like kind of only good looking in a sort of comic ironic way. Right. I mean, Maleficent is like she is pretty, but she's like not Disney princess pretty. She's just got dainty features. Yeah. But yeah, like this, like it has always been a... If you're ugly, you're the villain. Or right. if you're fat, you're the villain. Right. That's always it. It's right. It's like the villains are either they're too big or they're too angular or they have features that are too big. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's just very strange. Because, yeah, the other villain uh, in Rescuers is fat. Right. And it just is like it just reinforces this cultural idea that you are only valuable as a femme person if you are pretty. Yeah. And like that your value is like one-to-one linked with your prettiness. Or your inherent goodness. Right. Is linked to how pretty you are. Yeah. And like I don't think people think about how much stuff like that is built into the culture. It's But then when you think about stuff like the fact that, you know, Attractive people are less likely to, like, be convicted in jury trials, like conventionally attractive people, like fat or disabled, unattractive people of color. Like all those people are more likely to go to jail at jury trials. They're less likely to get hired. They're less likely to get hired. Like whether or not you think about that stuff on an active level, like it's still affecting how you interact with people in your day to day life. Yeah. It can't not like we were all raised in this soup where like women have to be pretty to mean anything. Yeah. And you can do all the deconstructing in the world that you want. Like that programming is still in there. That program is still in there and the systems in place are still there that you have to work through. Yeah. And like I, remember like as a fat femme person who was unconventionally attractive how much that sucked and how much that like 
that like if I was just pretty enough, mm-hmm. if I could just like have a Cinderella moment and yeah. do enough to be pretty enough, things would get better. Yeah. I still have struggled with that. Oh, like, absolutely. I, especially when I transitioned, when I came out, I definitely felt like, oh, is once I'm femme enough, once I'm a woman enough, once I'm pretty enough, then everything will be fine, right? Like, then stuff yeah. will work out, and, like, that's not it at all. Like, you have to handle that stuff Separate. on its own. Because, like, even as a masculine person, I still have that programming of, like, if I look good enough, if I, yeah. like, can get the right you know, look, it's not necessarily pretty anymore, but it's like right. the same like attractiveness. If I yeah. can fit into the stereotypes, then my life will be easier. Right. Which is terrifying. Yeah. It's so deep in our culture. And it's like the fact that we can see a clear vilifying of unconventionally looking people from like early on. Yeah. It's like if you just start to notice it now and you don't look at the history of hundreds of years of this bullshit. Yeah. Then you're going to be stuck in it and you're never going to like realize how deeply ingrained it is. Cause totally. it's hundreds of years of bullshit. Yeah. Oh, another thing to check off your reused assets list is crocodiles, crocodiles and Cruella's car. Oh, oh says Cruella's car. it's the same car. I didn't even put that together. Interesting. Yeah. That being said, I want a pet. I want a pair of pet guard alligators. I know they sound great. That sounds fantastic. Like talk about scary dog privilege. <laughs> just walk around with like a giant six hundred pound also, alligator. Can we just take a moment, a moment to appreciate that she named them Brutus and Nero? <laughs> I do love that. Like spot on. <laughs> like if you're gonna be a villain, be a goddamn be villain. A villain. <laughs> but I just love the concept of. The rescuers that there's like a mouse UN looking out for children. Like, yeah. how fucking quaint. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I had questions about the whole like infrastructure of this world. Of course you did. <laughs> I want to know the logistics. Like, I get that international travel is like possible because of the albatrosses or whatever, but. It still seems like limited and expensive. Like, how many people can you really fit in that sardine can? Two. Yeah, not a lot, no. right? So, like, I'm I have questions. You always have questions. <laughs> That's the autism. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. So our last movie is The Great Mouse Detective, which might be one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptations of all time. I was just saying, I was just thinking that. Yeah. I think the Basil is such a good Sherlock. Yeah. Like he's arrogant enough and like sassy enough without like getting too like pretentious about Being it. Being a pretentious asshole. Yeah. And he, you get the fun mood swings of like everything's going great and then everything is going wrong. Yeah. It's great. Also, this movie is queer coded as fuck. Definitely. Cause like Radigan, trans man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's trans mouse. <laughs> trans mouse skillin. <laughs> I fixed it for you. 
transmasculine. <laughs> wow, I'm never going to forget that. But yeah. But also I think like this this movie, you know, like the period between like Winnie the Pooh and Rescuers, which are like the same year. Right. Like that and then Pete's Dragon, like that is kind of where things start to fall apart. Yeah. Like I feel like and then things start to like fall off and make less money and be sort of maybe of an even lower quality, right? Yeah. Like this is your sort of dark age in the 80s where movies come out but they are largely unpopular. Yeah. The Black Cauldron comes Which, out. Talk about terrifying movies. Right. Uh, yeah, Great Mouse Detective is in here, which, like, yeah, while okay. I think is fine, is not was not exactly like it's, a commercial. I was hit. like, it's definitely the outlier of this batch of movies. Totally, and I, that's why I put it in here to show, like, this is also kind of yeah. where things are going. Yeah, wrong. this is like where things start to dip off until we get to eighty nine and we get the Little Mermaid and right, what other fucking names come in? Yeah, Musker and Clemens. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because in the 80s, like, things are going badly, and, like, this is when Who Framed Roger Rabbit comes out, and, like, while Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a cult success now... It was not back it then. It was not back then, and frankly, it was a desperate attempt by Disney to have any of their properties make any kind of money. They were like, we do not care, like, our monies are our movies are doing so badly, and animation is so expensive to make... Just put our characters in something. Like, just, right. just, it's fine. Just, I don't care if it's a comedy, just anything because we need money right. so badly. And then, yeah, in the 80s, like, you know, they get the, the dynamic duo of Musker and Clemens. And then we hit Little Mermaid and we're like off and running. Oh, and then. Then the Renaissance. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited that we're off finally at the Renaissance. And like, yeah, it took us a while to get here, but it was important. It's the history's track. Important. No, lay. it is. And like, you can't ignore 50 years of, or is it? 50? No, it's like 30. Yeah, 37 to 89. So almost 50 years. You can't yeah. ignore 50 years of history within an animation studio. Like, right. Especially when it, the 50 years created and built the formula that totally. like, really took off when you get, yeah. you just needed the right creative director. Cause you can't, you can't look at little mermaid and all of the things that make it and not see. And like, if you look at it without the formula, it means so much less. Right. But then when you see that, you know, it's got all these things that have worked for Disney in the past. Right. That they're just trying to recreate, you know, they're trying to recreate a, a Snow White or a Sleeping right. Beauty. Like that's all they've ever wanted to do is right. to make another Snow White. And they finally did. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Fuck, I'm so excited to talk about Little Mermaid. I love that movie so much. Why did we take time to animate a drunk character in a children's movie? Yeah, that does seem strange. Probably not necessary. Right. That seems weird. Um, also, Basil gets points for self-regulating and not screaming at Olivia when he she breaks his violin. Right. Like, good job. That that's hard. That was a, a very, plus. That was that's a very hard thing to do. 
Um, and in our uh, running list of reused animation, the lizard in Radigan's crew is the same lizard from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, wow. That one's reaching back. I didn't notice that. And uh, it's not just in this one, but also in Aristocats, but the mouse holes and the molding on the mouse holes are the same as the I, ha- Cinderella. Yeah. Oh, God damn. You're good at this. Yeah. Also, other ter- terrifying little bits that we were talking about, the whole toy story. Uh, store scene yeah those dolls are creepy as terrifying fuck. like this movie is straight up scary yeah no wonder kids weren't going to see these like these movies are scary anyway uh yeah let's do a lightning round watson's pirate outfit in when they go to the bar and great mouse detective i want it <laughs> yeah crop top you know tight pants right i would that's a look it. that's yeah. a look I wrote, um, <laughs> Jungle Book is about destroying the nuclear family. Like, this is this is the leftist dream yes. that Alex Jones is afraid of. It is. Ta- gonna it's dis- not the frogs that are gay, it's the panthers. We're going <laughs> to, yeah, destroy the nuclear family, raise everyone by bears and panthers. <laughs> Nothing says straight man like recording a farewell song to your arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very straight. <laughs> That's why I wrote this musical number. It's a look. Radigan is a mood. I he's a great queer villain. Yeah, yeah. It's hmm, it's funny we don't get because like Radigan is like very much like a masculine character. Yes, but he's also kind of queer coded. Which doesn't happen very often. Like, usually if we get a male queer-coded character, they're sort of, like, effete, Mm -hmm. simpering, like, you know, waif. Yeah. And not, like, Radigan almost is, like, like you said, it's almost like a trans mask, like, overcompensation thing. Transmasculine. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Okay, but why... Do so many of these characters have Beatle haircuts? Because it was the 60s. I guess. Like, I guess, you know, the Beatles were like a cultural okay, phenomenon. But, but you like, know, the vultures were supposed to be the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked the Beatles to come and record the voices, and the Beatles said no. Oh, like, yeah. Like, they were legitimately supposed to be the Beatles. And then, because the, the little elephant has the, like, Beatle cut, too. He does. It's great. It's just odd. I love that we took time in 101 Dalmatians to animate fat jokes. God. Yeah, super necessary. Totally love that. (sighs) What is it that Disney has about orphans? Why do they have to kill everyone's parents? Because Disney doesn't like moms. Well, yeah, definitely moms can never survive. And fathers don't exist. And like, yeah, a lot of the time there's no parents at all. Like, it's it's weird. Like, Jungle Book, Oliver, Rescuers. <laughs> I think the whole orphan thing comes with, with the, like, unlimited childhood thing. Like, the no parents Got makes it. less rules thing. Sure, sure. So you could have more access to, like, childhood wonder. Which is also why they have to take the mom away because moms are the like right. rules, in, you know. And I just think Disney hated his parents. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of that. And also like 
this might be a deeper thing. Maybe, maybe this is like a deeper thing that we don't have the tools to talk about, but I do think there's also this idea of women, like because of the sort of an extension of the idea that women only have value when they're pretty is that only the stories of young women matter. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, We're going to definitely get into that over the next couple movies. Once women become older or have their own kids, like, they stop being meaningful because they stop being, like, a sexual, like, conquest object. Once they get old enough, they become a mother, and you can't be sexual and a mother, and you can't be worth anything and a mother. Precisely. Yeah. Like, and it's like, if we can't you are, have sex with you, then you don't have value. There are three stages. It is, you are a child, I can have sex with you, you are a mom. And the, honestly, for men, the the, first the gray are, area between those first two is upsetting. Terrifying. Uh, real scary. Yeah. Of course, Mowgli's gay dad does drag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. Of course. And I like that it's the dad that you wouldn't expect. No, of course not. It's, it's the big bear dad. It's, it's the big, like, mask bear dad. Yeah. I love that. The actor who plays Shere Khan, George Sanders, mm-hmm. this is like totally unrelated, but uh, I was digging through his IMBD mm-hmm. uh, in this filmography because I like wanted to see what his voice, because his voice is so distinct and like what he was in. He was in a movie in the 40s, I want to say, I don't remember, that was called The Gay Falcon. And I just <laughs> needed you to know that. That's, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I, this is from Aristocats. Thomas O'Malley does this, and this would just be so helpful to me. And I know this is the autism, so I'm just going to preempt you saying that. But it would be so helpful to me if everyone could introduce themselves like in a musical. Right? Where they say their right? name a bunch of times along with all of their relevant character traits. That would be wonderful. So that I can remember them, and then the song will get stuck in my head, and that will help me remember who they are. That would be because great. People, when I tell you that, like, people I meet literally just evaporate in my brain. And, like, I've met comics three or four times before they're like, hey, buddy, I, we we know each other. You're an asshole. Like, I, we I'm have, sorry. you have introduced yourself to me five fucking times now. It's like, yeah, man, you got to wear a hat or something. I'm sorry. Because I can't remember anybody. Um, I love that we have the three genders in Aristocat, a boy, a girl, and an artist. <laughs> well, no notes. Uh, I also love Adelaide and George, like the the humans. Oh, yeah. The old, like, absolutely in love with each other, short king and, like, mm-hmm. opera star. Fucking love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I've got one last one we can do, going back to Radigan. Um, mm. I love that. We have a supervillain who wants to tax the elderly, the disabled, and children. Because, you know, that's what supervillains do and not what our Congress and, is right, currently and doing. And also the, the 118th Congress presently is trying to do by crashing the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Literally a supervillain plot from the 1980s. Yeah. Isn't cool. that lovely? Love that for us. <laughs> 